Honestly, it's 24-7. I feel like I have like a, I just adopted a dog or had like a newborn baby. What's happening? What's good, doe? It's your boy. Idriff, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, in case you're wondering. Today, we have an amazing episode with Henry. Henry is a pizza maker over at Facebook. Yeah, he works at the Facebook campus. And since he's mainly worked from home now, he's been stepping up his pizza game, getting his dough right, trying Filipino ragu on pizza and making these awesome combinations. His goal is to get his pizza spot opened up in the next five years. And till then, he's just focused on how do I get the business side done? How do I build community? How do I just do the pizza community right? That's what we talk about in this episode. It's a good one. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And remember to always ask, what's good, dough? Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Real quick, just wanted to plug real quick. Please, if you love this show, pass it along to your pizza-loving pals. Mention it to your mushroom-loving mamas and slide it into someone's DM like Pizza on Appeal. I would really like your help in sharing the knowledge and information that I'm getting from all of these pizza lovers and sharing it across to as many people as possible because my goal is to educate as I learn. And if I can get your feedback and their feedback and create a better show for tomorrow, I think we'd all win. Now sit back and relax and enjoy the show. And remember to always ask, what's good, Doe? Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me here. Awesome, Henry. So first question, what's good, Doe? I've been pizza probably a little over two years now and uh i've just been inspired you know just how the community is with all the pizza makers worldwide you know it, it really digs deep just i don't know in depth with everything with bread with dough with yeast with salt with flour how essential it is to everyday homes and you know i just want to spread the love and just be a part of the community and just continue to learn every day and just paying it forward in every way I know how. Such a heartfelt statement right there. When you said earlier, it, it digs deep. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah, totally. So, um, you know, how I stumbled upon pizza was, wasn't, was never through like Italian background or anything. It was through my grandma and she happened to pass away, you know, last December. And I just dug into my roots, you know, I'm Asian American. I was, born in Southern California, coming from a Vietnamese household, first generation. And I thought about how our, all our home cooking, you know, how it was all written in Vietnamese. I always told myself when I started in the kitchen 16 years ago, I was gonna write down our recipes, you know, but I, I never did. And I felt like that bridge, it just thinned out, you know, it just, all is just memory from my childhood. So I started at Facebook a year ago and I was put in charge of an Italian kitchen 
an Italian kitchen, the executive chef at the time. She had a strong Italian background working at Trey Normand. She was an executive chef in San Francisco City. And she gave me a recipe to work with, with pastas, with pizza. And I just further developed it. It was all in my hand. She laid it out on the table for me, gave me this great template for me to work with. And, you know, I ate all my failures. All my cooks laughed. We cried. We did everything together. We poured our blood, sweat, and tears. We ended up being the best pizzeria in the world at the Facebook campus, you know, Boston, New York, and all that, making 500 plus pizzas a day. And I hear all these stories. You know, I've joined uh, Facebook groups, Artisans Pizza. They really helped me a lot. Work on my craft, fellow chefs throughout the world, all my friends, New York City, East Coast, West Coast, out of the country, you know, Argentina, you know, I have people reaching out to me and exchanging pointers. It's it's amazing how big the world is, not just with pizza, but it could be applied everywhere else and how fortunate it is to be born in a time where all the resources are readily available. You know, just how you and I ourselves, like through this podcast, can just share our passion with one another. Yeah. Sorry for the loss of your grandma. That's must have been tough. You know, I, I very much resonate with that story because I, I love, you know, eating my grandmother's food. And one of my, one of the things that I want to do as soon as quarantine is over is drive up and go see her two hours away and, you know, cook with her again and write down recipes actually. And and thank you for reminding me, you know, like that, how important that is. And, and just going back to what you said about the whole resources are readily available for us. I mean, those are the types of resources that are super finite. Uh, the time, you know, with your, with your family and your loved ones cooking, you got to cherish those as much as you can. I, uh, I really appreciate what you said for opening up. I know you've been working as a chef for 16 years. Do you want to go a little bit more about your history? Yeah, my history is, uh, so I got into the industry as a dishwasher. Um, my, my best friend's cousin, my best friend's Filipino, his cousin ended up starting the culinary industry about two years prior to me. And, uh, you know, he was volunteering, teaching classes at a community community college at De Anza. And he, one, one summer, you know, I was 16. I, <laughs> I was like, you know what? I'm tired of being a knucklehead. And he's like, you know what? I need two dishwashers. So my best friend and I, we went and we dishwashed for this uh, event they had at the community college. And it all started just going in, changing the locker rooms, putting on my first pair of like culinary slacks and just got like a big firm handshake from this tall gentleman you know and just look, peering around the kitchen seeing the baker in the in the room seeing a guy firing stuff off in the saute line it was just like it just felt like i belonged and you know just working my way up the ranks i came across uh the chairman the chairman bow i i was looking up names that i could follow i was like oh okay i found a chef hero nagahara he studied under, you know, uh, Charlie Trotter, the late Charlie Trotter. He passed away. And I was like, this guy, he's smart. You know, he's super smart. He was the ex-quantum physics, um, like, field <laughs> specialist. And he became a chef through his roots in Japan. Uh, his his mom, she could, his dad was a fisherman. His mom could clean a fish in, like, under two seconds. Wow. And he's like, that's what inspired me to become a chef. He's like, because it's in my roots. It's what I love to do. I can never get tired of this. You know, I was like, he's still great at crunching numbers, but he uses that power to, you know, just to 
increased his food quality by like tenfolds. And now he owns a current uh, bow spot in LA called Bow Hero, which he's going to save up the money for and open up a Michelin star restaurant. I know he has that quality. He still does it in his pop-ups every day. He does the best bento boxes like during COVID, him and his team. Um, but fast forward that uh, a year later, I worked at Boulevard Restaurant where I met the chef de cuisine, uh, Dana. Uh, I met chef uh, Nancy Oaks and they helped me a lot. Um, it's just about being humble, the discipline. And I never had such strong, you know, female culinary figures in my life before, besides my mom and my grandma. And then when I met them, it kind of just set everything in motion about how food should be, how quality should be, you know, and everything was just so family oriented in such a hustly and bustly restaurant with just servers working two to three jobs coming across the ferry, going on to our next job, coming into their last job, their first shift, the last shift, banquets walking in, you know, everyone's just, it's so cohesive there. And uh, after that, I worked at a catering company, a catering company called William J in San Mateo. Uh, they scouted me and they wanted me to be their kitchen manager. And they're, they're, uh, they were a startup uh, just out of the blue. We had like this hole in the wall, Foster City just exploded, which led to a brick and mortar in San Mateo, like just 3000 square feet. It was just amazing. And they just do a great job. What they try to do is just feed people, feed the community on a budget, you know, just make everything super affordable, just like $10 meals to like tech, tech companies and donating through just food runners and just paying it forward, you know, just limit waste and do everything just, just great. And then now I'm at Facebook doing what I love and hopefully pursuing my passion and just open up that pizza spot I always wanted. Very cool. What are you making at the restaurant um, over at Facebook? Over at Facebook, I've made just like standard 60%, uh, just thin crust, uh, like New York style pizzas. And through quarantine, I've allowed me to use that knowledge to expand upon further uh, recipes. I've done Detroit, Sicilian, Roman style. Uh, I've done Neapolitan at home and actually uh, expanded towards Italy also because I'm fluent in Spanish as well as Vietnamese. So what what caused me to learn Spanish, long story short, is my dad, he's like, you're, you know, you're Asian and we're born in America. So he's like, you gotta learn Chinese, whether it's Cantonese, Mandarin or Spanish is because that what makes the population in the US. And at the time where I grew, when I grew up in Orange County, it um, it was a big, latin mexican community so i was like i'm gonna learn spanish because i hear my name being said i want to know what they're talking about <laughs> fast forward 16 years later <laughs> i've taken you know i'm taking these spanish words and it allows me to translate easily to italian words so i use right. that to transfer over recipes where to practice at home and kind of just succeed through failure in that way and of course you know pizza if you fail, it becomes bread with toppings and it's delicious. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I, I was just eating pizza today with my wife. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get this kettle grill going because she gave it to me for Christmas one. 
Christmas or my birthday one year, and I have yet to make a good pizza. Like I could easily get a rock box with more controllable, a more controllable, manageable heat source, but I'm, I'm literally using this grill and the bottom was so burnt and you know what it we i still ate it <laughs> she didn't eat it but uh like even if it's kind of bad at the end of the day it, it's still pizza and you can find pieces of it that you can appreciate <laughs> Definitely, yeah. so you're you're translating italian recipes like where where are you getting those from so i'm getting those from um just the fellow community on mainly on instagram you know i've seen different I mean, it, it kind of just rewinds us back to the resources, like just through Instagram, just following just certain hashtags, like recommended followers. I just dove deeper into it, used the time in quarantine. You know, I have have multiple friends that are still getting paid work from home, like doing side jobs, but I'm just investing that time to make pizza better because why not now, if not when? Because if I'm at work, I'm just slammed 60, 80, 80 hours a week, just just grinding just to, you know, do what they tell me to do and just work with the computer and in the kitchen. But with this downtime, I'm stuck with like 15 hours a week and using the rest of the time, just developing my pizza recipe, my technique. Cause if you talk about technique, that's what it's all about. And, you know, pulling, stretching a dough when it's fully proofed takes like two to four seconds. There's no rewind button. Maybe you could fix it a little bit on the peel, but once that, once it's poofed, you know, you got the gut oven ready, the stone hot. And what I do at home is just, uh, like you said, I don't use no rock box. I don't use a uni. It's just a pizza stone. I crank this old gas oven down up to like 578 and it gives me the crust I want. And it's just beautiful. Awesome. 578. That's, that's a, that's a little bit higher than what you typically hear, like 550. That's good that you're getting something that hot. I'm limited to 500 over here. What would you say is like the biggest difference as you're loading in the peel at your home versus doing it at work? Uh, the limited space. Definitely. Mm -hmm. I mean, real depending estate. on the pizza stuff, exactly. Real estate. You're not launching a pizza peel into this giant oven with all the space available you're trying to launch it on this you know 12 to 15 inch pizza stone whatever you have at home and you're hoping it doesn't stick to the peel so i've i've developed tips and tricks using like semolina on the peel mm -hmm. and then with the pizza oven i can't get it to like 700 900 degrees so i actually part i i form it out and then i put the i par bake it with the tomato sauce for four minutes oh. and then i rotate it and the, add the toppings on whatever may have you if you do like a new pasta style you want that mozzarella but you don't want too high of a heat so you see those uh those heat spots on it you want a nice just melted mozzarella so i get the i got the mozzarella whatever cheese you want to use and i, I put it on after i part bake it so it just looks clean and beautiful at the end and then you can finish it with whatever you want interesting when it comes to semolina i don't use it i was at restaurant depot yesterday and I, I looked at the bag and I was like, do I really need another 50 pound bag of flour hanging out at my house? Uh, <laughs> it's all about real estate, man. Do you feel that uh, semolina works a lot better than regular flour for the type of product you're trying to produce? I don't have as much experience as it, just uh, with pasta and uh, semolina, I just use for the sole purpose of launching it off the peel and nothing else. 
where Tony G, I know he uses he incorporates semolina a lot more, and I notice a difference in the crust. And I really like it. I think it's all preference, to be honest. Mm, I see. I see. So then, I guess my follow up question is: Why semolina over regular flour? Is it just the lubrication underneath the flour? I mean, between the dough and the peel, is there any other benefit to that? Um, no, I don't think there's any other benefit. I mean, it does prevent a lot of burning. So what I've noticed with flour is more prone to burning, and semolina, I kind of in my mind, I see it as like really tiny ball bearings, like tiny wheels, just to launch it off perfectly off the pizza peel. Mm, I see. I see. Yeah. I was, you know, I was reading the pizza Bible just yesterday and it was, it was talking about how having too much flour on wood fired ovens where the temperatures are real hot, it will be, you'll be super more prone to burning. So may have to try some Molina. Give that exactly. A shot. Yeah. I've seen pizzerias use rice flour as well, which I haven't personally used, but mm. at work at Facebook, I've used a lot of flour and certain hotspots in our stainless steel ovens. It, it just burns. Uh, I've controlled the top heat, bottom heat. I've added a little steam just to try to do it. But then once I use semolina, it's just perfect every time. It's more consistent. Very nice. Okay, good tips. Um, so you're making pizza at home, taking advantage of this COVID time. You said you're working 15 hours at Facebook right now, and then the rest you have free time at home? Yes, I do. Okay, so how many hours a, um, a week would you say you're making pizza at home? Does that count the the proof time and the rest and like <laughs> yeah, all the fermentation? <laughs> you're you're like you're babysitting at that point, you know. I'm sure you're looking at it, checking on it, make washing yeah. your hands in between. It's all time. Yeah, honestly, it's twenty four seven. I feel like I have like a I just adopted a dog or had like a newborn baby when it comes right. to like feeding your starter, you know, proofing things like that. I haven't even used the starter yet. I just I just made it probably like a week ago. So I'm just feeding it, looking at it, watching it grow, opening the lid, smelling it. <laughs> like that. Yeah, that's super important. Um uh, these are some episodes I haven't released yet, but I definitely learned about uh smelling your starter just recently and just being more aware of like the different smell uh or the different um hints of flavor you get as time progresses and just kind of associating that with the rise and all of that stuff. Very cool. Yeah. It, it's so time consuming, um, but it's so much fun. You know, I, uh, my work allows me to work from home and it's been such, such a blessing the way you called it. It's like adopting a dog. It's, it's exactly that. So is the plan to open your own restaurant in the near future? Yes, definitely. I want to, I gave myself a timeline of, um, five years, five years. I want to, you know, develop a recipe, do a pop-up, you know, get the funds for it. Um, and I want to do it hundred percent my own. You know, I've had people reach out to me, you know, let's open this, let's do that. But I want to know the ups and downs of the business world. Cause that's not where I studied. I don't, you can't just fully commit to something and not have control over it. I want to, be able to be like the resource if someone says like hey you know this failed or hey, I have a question I want to be willing to to answer it you know I don't want to be left hanging and just be like well we got to wait on the next person to find out the answer I want to I want to fail to succeed and that's been my motto the whole time just just keep doing it and uh yeah hopefully it turns out to something great I mean I love the community it's nothing but all big hearts and I've seen countless people succeed you know, through their own means. And 
it's like the culinary field. Like no one person is the same. Same with pizza. No one pizza is the same. You take a bite of a crust of this great chef's pizza and another home baker's pizza, and they're both great in their own way. Okay, very cool. So, what type of pizza are you leaning towards most right now? And like, what do you think is a sure fit in? Because you're trying a whole bunch of recipes, different styles. Is there one that you gravitate to at this moment that you for sure know is going to be at your restaurant? Oh yeah, for sure. Now I know the Detroit style and the and the Neapolitan is going to stay for me for a long time. Very cool. Why those two? Uh, just Detroit. It's just a great template. It's just um, you know, just the aesthetics of it. You see that that fico like that cheese crust on the outside, and you can't be you can't help but be, drawn to it and i've done certain pizzas where i put you know filipino ragu on top of it just because i have a lot of filipino friends and i've had them try it out and i've used that technique to incorporate a lot of fusion because through my roots as a vietnamese american it's like nothing's less fusion than vietnamese food i guess you know deriving from china and having all this like western influence it's just fusion food i can never make authentic vietnamese food because growing up working in the culinary field for like 16 years it's like there's no true Vietnamese food because it's either French rooted or you know rooted in China what exactly is Filipino ragu uh <laughs> it's what they use for for Filipino uh spaghetti you know it's a lot of uh luncheon meat uh hot dog with the ragu I just take a uh, mirepoix I just uh saute it down Oh, sorry. I seasoned the, the meat mixture. It's a ground pork first. And then I, I brown it in butter. I take it off and then I, I saute the mirepoix with some tomato paste and I deglaze it with red wine. And I add the diced luncheon meat, diced hot dogs, you know, put that tomato <laughs> tomato sauce in there and then just throw everything back together and let it simmer for about five hours. Cool it down. That's Filipino ragu. Dang. Okay. I got to... I got to look into that. I uh, I don't think I've ever tried it before. That sounds cool. And then you put that on a Detroit pizza. And I put it on a Detroit pizza. As, nice. as you would a tomato sauce. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. What Vietnamese-inspired or Vietnamese fusion pizzas do you think you can put on a ne- Neapolitan? Excuse me. Um, I've seen a lot of pizzas, of classic pizzas, where they do the, the bologna with like the burrata right in the middle. And... Mm. That drew me to like the the banh mi deli meats, you know, like the cured meats they do. So I'd probably start with something like that, just trying to test the waters. Because I know, you know, working with certain farmers and stuff, you can only branch a certain to a certain area where you could draw in a crowd. But at the same time, I don't feel like it's a viable option in the near future, just because Vietnamese food's not that mainstream yet. There's a lot of people I see like trying to break into that field, like Chef Two. Uh, one of my friends, he he was a Bravo like top chef, mm-hmm. and he's one of the forefront, one of the people in the forefront that's really trying to push the Vietnamese cuisine. You know, just like God bless that guy, like he does it with a smile on his face, <laughs> <laughs> and he does it through any means necessary, like classes online and stuff like that. But with me, it's kind of um, it's what I grew up with. You know, it's probably going to be somewhere towards like the Mexican side like southern side just whatever get a feel with what whatever i'm good at i'm never going to give someone that pizza with toppings that i don't 
like 100%, 200% believe in. Cool. So it seems like you have a lot of, you know, you have your mindset on fusion, Detroit Neapolitan. What, what do you, what do you need to do between now and five years to get this going? Oh, man. Probably get a yard, to be honest. Uh, my girlfriend's <laughs> probably going to be upset with me if I fill up the fridge with like just proofing boxes and, you know, all that hand mixing for two people is going to eventually lead to like a big mixing machine. Yeah, it's just putting my name out there, just uh, get the wheels rolling, just start slinging some pies. Right. Pop-ups in here and whatnot, right? Um, exactly. When you do get a mixer, I don't know if you already know this, I'm sure you do, a spiral mixer over a KitchenAid, seriously. And for anyone of who's course. listening and doesn't know that, oh my goodness, I'm having so many issues with my KitchenAid right now. It's just like I, I almost want to return it. Thankfully, you know, Costco has this pretty lenient return policy, but it's like almost, it's almost useless. It's pretty useful sometimes, but it's almost useless for what I'm trying to produce. When you say you want to get a yard, is that, is that to, to get pop-ups going? Yeah, just to get pop-ups going, uh, alleviate space from inside the kitchen, not get it too cramped up because our situation is right now is a, it's a one bedroom, you know, apartment about like 800 square feet. So it's limited. She loves she loves plants, and I love, I love. I we truly like support each other. She's a she's a pastry chef. Oh, very. So cool. you can see how you can see how it goes. Like when we try to when I try to proof pizza dough, and she's trying to proof something else. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I open up the freezer just full of the cookie dough. It's amazing. <laughs> what a what a house to live in. That's that would be dangerous for me. Pastries oh, after after pizza all the time. Like I already have a sweet tooth, but if it were right there, I'd have to like, I don't know, I'd have to lock up the fridge or something. <laughs> it's super dangerous because you can't eat any pastries after the the day it's made. So everything else is up to me, and I can't I can't say no, and <laughs> it's so bad. Is that a personal preference for her? Yeah, it's 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 a personal preference. That's that's a good rule. Um, I feel like I need to set a rule for pizza. My wife's rule is we can only share one. I just have a huge issue with just you know eating everything that's in front of me. Um, that's a good rule to adopt. I should maybe look at that and just I don't know get rid of my old pizzas or whatnot. Oh yeah, yeah. Is there something that the community can help you with um, in one getting this pizza? restaurant idea into fruition and then two making vietnamese cuisine more mainstream to support me um i mean to support me would be supporting the community in that sense because you know those words hold a lot of power so i mean the community i've been i've been blessed with such great people meeting such great people such as yourselves like this podcast you know it's all led through the community and i think the only way to get vietnamese food or any food that's you know still lying in the shadows mainstream is just to give it a shot just try it okay cool just try it what do you what do you recommend for people who haven't had vietnamese food i mean i would say that in the bay area there's a pho restaurant around every corner right um but then that's we're over here in the bay right but everywhere else you know um it's it gets smaller and smaller in the mid in the midwest and then back again in New York, but it's, I, I would have to agree. It's not like fully mainstream yet. What do you recommend for people who are just trying it out? 
I mean, if you're fortunate to have um, like a strong Vietnamese community in your area, I'd I'd be just looking at reviews. Um, you know, if you take a drive down like a downtown or a busy street, just look at the stores where people keep going in, uh, where they're waiting outside. You know, you follow your nose. That's what uh, my grandma and my mom always did uh, when I was a kid through Chinatown. They followed their nose, listen to like the words you don't understand. People just slurping noodles and stuff like that. <laughs> me sandwiches. Or it's like when you're in New Orleans, you know, like you see the beignets, like you follow the the, the sugar dust on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And I mean, I, I personally love Vietnamese food. It's the the sweet, the salty, the sour, the all the umami you get. I think pizza is a great way to just kind of get introduced to it. So is there anything else that you want to talk about or put out there? I love the support. I mean, I love I love what you do and I just love the community. And I just hope that we all grow better, you know, extend that extend that hand out there to whoever needs it. And, you know, I've growing up in a Vietnamese household, I've as or like the Asian community in general, we're always taught like silence is like obedience is uh is always rewarded. So I feel like the Asian community is always less um less willing to advocate for themselves because they feel like they'll be punished. But I feel like in this time of age that shouldn't be the case anymore. You should advocate for yourself what you need, what resources you need, and what dream you want to follow and just do it. Because, you know, the answer is there. You just need to reach out. I always felt like I was either too embarrassed to ask or it would be like you're not supposed to ask those things because you'll come off as needy. And it's it's so true what you're saying. It's like just go and get what you want, right? Be respectful, but ask because it's literally the only barrier between yes and no, right? And if you get a no, then so what? But if you get a yes, it could lead to so many more things. It, it leads to friendships. It leads to opportunities. And, and I'm glad you, you brought that up. You know, I'm, I'm really starting to get more involved um, in, or just aware of, you know, where my roots come from. And, and I really want to understand it because I feel like that's the first step of uplifting it, right? And you can only hope that no other cultures feel like they are, I guess, in the shadows of other cultures. So I really respect what you're doing. And I really respect the, the thought and the energy that you put into it. Thank you. Yeah, man. Um, when it comes to the pizza restaurant itself, do you kind of have an idea of like, I know you said, you know, five years, but do you have an idea of what it's going to like, like the concept, the style? What do you, what do you think? Is it going to be fancy? Is it going to be sit down, take out? Oh yeah. It's going to be a sit down for sure. I always love the, I always love first walking into a pizzeria and seeing like the pizza oven and the pizzalos up front, you know, cause they love what they do. <laughs> you know, I've never met a pizza maker, a pizzalo that they don't have a smile on their face when you first walk in. They're just throwing pies, having fun, you know, joking around. It's always, it's like a handshake when you walk in. And it's so inviting. I want to have that up front. It's definitely going to be seated with tables on the back. And I kind of, I love that stairway leading up to the second floor with extra dining seat up top. I don't know why. It just feels like it opens up a lot of space. And I, I kind of applied that to my apartment right now with the shelves and everything. <laughs> Very cool. Are you not worried about the future of sit-down restaurants moving forward? Oh, yeah. I'm totally, 
I'm definitely worried about that, you know, especially being in San Francisco, the cost, the rent, the lease of a place, it's it's so expensive. But with pop-ups and with pizza, pizza can can outlive COVID. It's I wouldn't say it's essential, but it is essential <laughs> to us pizza lovers. But um it also could, you know, people love it regardless. You could make a pop-up and just make a killing. You could just make a killing regardless. You can hand out for, I know people, my friends, they're handing out pizzas for free. You know, that's the next step I want to take. Just not only get the word out there, but to introduce them to people that never had pizza before. Like I want to make make it at home instead of eating my failures. You know, get better at it and just give it out to people for free and just be like, you know what, I'm there. I want to lend a helping hand. Like if you want to learn, like we just share all this information, and I just want to give them an open invitation. Just be like, hey, this is pizza. It could be good at no cost to you. Just like have fun with it and just. Like, just create that passion that we all have. Let me kind of get this straight. Like you want to give people away your mess ups to people who have never had pizza before or just anybody. Sorry, not my mess ups, but like I already messed up, (laughs) (laughs) but like uh, all the pizzas that like I'm making just to get my name out there Mm -hmm. and what I do, like I want to, I'm gonna start offering free pizzas to like the the neighboring community and to the community around me just so you know they have some uplifting way to alleviate like what's going on the pandemic and all yeah. the unfortunate circumstances. Very cool. Yeah. No, that's uh that's something I'm I'm definitely a fan of for for people who are just starting out or people who have extra time or people who are baking a lot, give away your extras because you know, people need it. You build community that way. It's a good way to get people to start craving your food. Very cool. Henry, I mean, I really appreciate everything you had to say about, you know, working with your community, um, promoting Vietnamese culture through pizza. Um, I really look forward to your journey and and I hope that in five years we can we can have a follow-up conversation or even before then just just to see how the progress is going. Oh yeah, no, I would love that. And yeah, feel free to stop by or if you're in the area, you know, I'll I'll make a pie for you. Very cool. I'd love that. Likewise. Well, hopefully we get to link up when everything is safe to do so and um, we'll eat some pizza together. Definitely. I would love that. Henry, thank you so much for being on the show. I wish you the best of luck on your pizza venture and I hope that we can meet someday. To you, the listener, thank you for listening to the very end. I hope you enjoyed it because I sure did. If you did like it, do me a favor and share this with another pizza-loving person and spread the good word of pizza. Also, if you haven't done so already, add me on Instagram. Let me know what you think of the show there and check out my stories so that you can send your questions for my next podcast guest. I hope you enjoy the show. Tune in next time. Peace.